0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min and we are back. We are live and tonight we're discussing Arsenal's progress through to the knockout stages of the UEFA Europa League with two games to spare. Fantastic news, um, some really positive performances uh, from certain individuals as well tonight as well, so lots uh, to be pleased about, uh, even if the game didn't get off to the greatest uh, start. Uh, Apologies to those of you who joined us on the original stream. Not really sure what happened, but the whole thing started lagging. Uh, The camera went funny. The audio went funny for me. Um, Might have crashed because of the screen share, some of you are saying in the live chat. I don't think it was that. Um, I'm I'm not really sure. I got the impression that my laptop was... uh, feeling a little bit slow, a little bit sluggish at the time, and maybe that had a knock-on effect uh, on the actual stream. But not to worry, we are back now and we're going to be discussing that game uh, in molder this evening. Right, let's uh, begin by discussing uh, Mikel Arteta's initial team selection. going to share the screen with you guys again. Uh, for those of you watching us on YouTube, if you're listening via the audio do not fear. I'll be talking you all through it. Yeah, look, it looks like when I share the screen, um, the lag on the camera comes through. So we'll scrap that for now. Uh, forget sharing the screen. Uh, I'll just uh, talk you guys through it. Um in goal for Arsenal this evening, it was Alex Runarsen. It was a back four of Cedric Suarez, Mustafi, the returning David Lewis, who, of course, comes straight back into the side after the birth of his child. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles came into the side at left-back. There's been a lot of debate lately amongst certain sections of the Arsenal fans with regards to whether or not Ainsley Maitland-Niles should be in the starting 11. He was in the starting 11 tonight. And when we come on to discuss some of the individual displays, we'll touch on that of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. In the middle of the park, it was a four by the looks of things. Um, Reese Nelson started from the left. Nicolas Pepe, who, uh, despite being sent off at Leeds United um, at the weekend, was handed a starting place by Mikel Arteta. Some people thought that maybe, just maybe, Mikel was, was going to punish Pepe for his actions and his petulance on Sunday. But Pepe apologised. Mikel Arteta said he's responded well since the incident. And of course, seen as he's suspended in the Premier League, it makes absolute perfect sense for me that Nicolas Pepe plays in these games in a bid to try and play his way back into form. So um, I thought that made perfect sense. In the middle, it was Joe Willock alongside Granite Xhaka. And up top, it was Alexander Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah. But um, although the graphics were showing it as a bit of a 4-4-2, actually, Alex Lacazette was playing just a little bit deeper in the hole between uh, sort of Nketiah and the midfield. Um, So, yeah, that was the uh, starting eleven tonight. Let's have a look at what you guys... Are saying in the chat big hello to everyone who's just joined us if you're listening via the audio don't forget to subscribe leave us a review if you're watching on YouTube make sure if you haven't already that you've smashed that like button and subscribed to the channel lots of you saying welcome back yes uh, we are back after I don't know what happened with the initial stream uh, a few technical issues there but we're back now so don't worry about that um Get your questions in the live chat and I'll come to uh, as many of those as I possibly can as well between now and the end of the stream. But there's just a few things uh, I want to discuss about tonight's game before we get to that point. And one of the things I want to discuss um, was that role of Alexander Lacazette. I've mentioned that he played in a slightly deeper position just off of Eddie and Ketia. Um, I- I'm not really sure if it worked, to be honest with you, Um I get the idea behind it. I feel like it's a zone. It's an area of the a space that maybe Arsenal don't expose well enough in, in um, sort of recent times. Uh, Mikel Arteta's Arsenal certainly don't expose that area well enough. And dropping that little bit deeper often allows you to get on the ball, play other people in. Um, it's almost like a kind of Roberto Firmino role, but... The difference between the way we do it and the way well the way we did it tonight and the way that Liverpool do it is that for Firmino dropping into those deep positions creates the space for the wingers to to drive in field. In this Arsenal side, though, it was a little bit different because of course Eddie and Ketia was playing through the middle. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not really sure if it worked. I'm a little bit on the fence about it. I saw some people sort of after 15, 20 minutes on Twitter. 15, 20 minutes of the game that is suggesting that that's what we should be going with at the weekend. And they'd love to see um, Laka play that role with Aubameyang ahead of him. I, I, I'm not sold on it. I didn't see enough tonight to suggest that, that it would work in a Premier League game. And, and we can sit here and we can praise lots of Arsenal players tonight. And there are Arsenal players who particularly in the second half earn their money tonight, earn the praise that's going to come their way. But, we've got to remember who we were playing as well. And the standard of the opponent was questionable. It's not a side that anywhere near the level that we're going to be facing um, when we return to Premier League action at the weekend. So I wouldn't get too carried away with some of the things we saw. Um, And I just wanted to throw that caveat in at the beginning of this podcast, because you're going to hear praise for certain players. You're going to hear ideas. You're going to hear things that I thought worked well, but it, it, it all comes with that caveat of, but we were playing against a, a weak side, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, the Lacazette role, not not really sure that worked. I know some people were were really pleased by it. For me, I, I wasn't entirely sure. Nicolas Pepe um, is one who's certainly worth discussing. Now, as I touched upon, some fans thought that maybe Mikel Arteta was going to try and make a point here after what happened in the game against Leeds. We discussed it at length during the week, so I don't want to get Uh, bogged down in the details of that particular incident again. Um, But all Nicolas Pepe can do now is go out on the pitch when selected, play to the best of his ability, produce goals, produce assists and give Mikel something to think about. Persuade Mikel that you are good enough for this football club. Persuade Mikel that you warrant a place in his team regularly and, and to be fair to Nicolas Pepe, he absolutely did that tonight. According to whoscored.com, Nicolas Pepe was the man of the match with a 10 out of 10 rating. I'm not sure that I can give him 10 out of 10, personally, um, looking at that, because I did feel like, although he scored a goal and he did some really good things, he did miss a few opportunities as well. There were a couple of opportunities that just went begging that you thought, you know, you'd expect him to do a little bit better. But that was much better from Nicolas Pepe. That was Nicolas Pepe picking up the ball, driving at people, influencing the game, making things happen and being an individual. And I don't think that that individuality from any of our attackers has really been on show very often under Mikel Arteta. So it was nice to see that, albeit against an opponent, the standard of Molda. But it's a step in the right direction. It felt like with the way the system was set up. I spoke about the forwards, particularly Lacazette dropping that little bit deeper, creating spaces in behind. And it did create spaces for Nicolas Pepe to drive infield. And we know that the Ivorian absolutely loves to do that. He's a left-footed player playing on the right-hand side. And I thought that that suited him down to a t. When you allow Nicolas Pepe that freedom to drive infield, to shift the ball onto that left foot of his, and you don't have him in such a rigid position, you can get something out of this player. Is it £72 million worth? Is he an elite winger? That remains to be seen. The jury's still out on a lot of those things. But for me, he is someone, as I've said before, who can impact games, who can influence games, and who can make things happen. But he needs the freedom to do that, and people need to have the patience with him. I've seen him compared to Jovino lately. Uh, by a few people. I made the comparison to Jovino very early on in his Arsenal career, not because I was poking fun at him, but because I guess Jovino was similar in the sense of he would do all the hard work and then fluff his lines at the end. As Dan Potts would say, he wouldn't finish his dinner. He'd do all the beginning work. He'd do all the prep work. He'd even cook it, but he just couldn't produce that final end product often enough it's not to say never produced it he did and 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 so does nicolas pepe but when you look at the number of opportunities that they create and the the spaces and positions that they get themselves into you can understand why those kind of players frustrate the hell out of people um so yeah um that was my take on nicolas pepe's performance it was good it was positive He, he made a point Shame that he won't be available in the Premier League now for a a few weeks, but um, the Europa League provides Nicolas Pepe with a platform on which he can hopefully play his way back into form without the pressure that comes in the Premier League in games that don't really mean an awful lot. Arsenal, as I said right at the top of the programme, are now through to the next stage of the Europa League. so. Take the shackles off Mikel. Give some of the youngsters some time. Give Nicolas Pepe the opportunities to play his way back into his best form. And we move from there. Uh, a couple of other players I wanted to discuss. Um, I want to discuss the performance of Joe Willick, according to who scored. He earned an impressive rating of 8.2 out of 10. I think that was slightly a little bit too high in my personal opinion. Um but he did really, really well to create the goal for Reese Nelson, Arsenal second. It was really good work from him. He found himself on the right-hand side, put a lovely cross into the penalty area, which Reese Nelson turned in. And what does it tell us? What does it show us? It shows that if Mikel Arteta's midfielders are willing to, when the time is right, and only when the time is right, take gambles, make runs into obscure positions, by obscure positions I mean on the flanks, in between lines, into various spaces. If Arsenal's midfielders take those calculated risks and, and gamble and get into those positions more often than they have been doing this season, then things happen. You know, sparks fly, things unfold because midfielders have to be proactive in their runs at not you know, you're not saying that you want all four of your midfielders to be completely ill disciplined, etc., etc. But what you want to do is take the shackles off them. You want to create an environment whereby one of your midfielders, most likely Joe Willock can say, yeah, there's a bit of space there. I'm going to run and I'm going to take up that space. And maybe I'll receive the ball. Maybe I can make something happen. Maybe I'll lose my man. But I know that that platform is behind me, that platform that allows me to do that without exposing the entire team i feel like we went from never thinking about those spaces never thinking about the gaps we left in behind us on the previous management to now almost allowing that overthinking to to handcuff us to handicap us to to know you know to to restrict us in our movement so yeah um i thought it was really positive to see will it take up a position like that and as i said that comes because a midfielder, Joe Willock, took a risk and made a run out into a position, took up a space that wasn't necessarily textbook for someone playing in this role. And the same can be said about Reece Nelson, who then made the run from the left-hand side into the penalty area to be in the position to finish it. He took a gamble. He took a punt. He made the run. And that movement, that variation in your movement is so key. And when we talk about the systems that Mikel Arteta plays and whether they're hindering us and whether they're the reason that we score so so few goals at the moment, actually that individuality, that movement, that ability to make a decision in a split second that says, I'm going to go and take up that space, regardless of what the textbook tells you about this current formation, regardless about what you've seen on the tactics board all week, you play like that. And, and again, I go back to the point, the risks have to be calculated ones, the risks have to be sensible ones. But if you take those risks at the right times and you take up the right areas, you will create more opportunities. And we saw that. We saw that. Um, let's discuss uh, Reece Nelson. I mentioned that Reece Nelson uh, got the uh, the second goal for Arsenal. I thought Reece Nelson was brilliant tonight. Um Lively all the time, willing to take people on, always looking for, for teammates in certain areas. I thought Reese was really, really good, really, really proud of his performance. Got on the score sheet as well. Um, and then, of course, on came uh, Fallerin Balogun um, to get his first Arsenal goal at senior level within seconds of coming on. And do you know what the best thing about it was? Is that he combined with Emil Smith Rowe. Um, I was absolutely delighted uh, to see. Those two guys combining, um, you know, both of them sort of making runs into the, those areas. As I said, you know, Balogun's centre forward, he, he's supposed to be there. Emil Smith Rowe to cover position on the left. It's that fluidity in the movement that that creates opportunities. And and I, you know, I'm sure that Mikel Arteta knows that. I'm sure that Mikel Arteta sees that. But what Mikel Arteta's job is to do, uh, what Mikel Arteta's job is, sorry is to make sure that he creates the environment in which the team can do that and and then gives them the belief that they can go on and make those runs and make those moves and take up those positions. So really, really pleased with that goal as well. Um, I've seen loads of people sort of ranting and raving about how good Balogun's finish was. I mean, come on, the goalkeeper should have saved it, really. Um you know, not to take anything away from the lad. It was it was brilliant to see him score. There's obviously lots of talk going on behind the scenes at the moment with regards to his contract. Will he sign? Uh, will he not? Uh, there was interest in Balogun in the summer. Arsenal decided not to sell him. Um, he didn't want to renew his contract at one point. Now talks are ongoing. Can Mikel persuade him that this is the right place to be? He persuaded Bukayo Saka He persuaded Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So I have faith that Mikel will deliver once again on that front. But in order for Balogun to sign, in order for Balogun to commit his future to Arsenal, he will want um, to have, if not guarantees, um, some idea about the, the amount of game time that he'll be getting because as a young footballer, in order to develop, you simply have to play football matches. And, you know, that is always a, a thing at the big clubs. You know, do you do you buy players because you need to compete at the top level now? In doing that, do you sometimes hinder the progress of other players coming through? Maybe, probably. Uh, but Mikel's got to find that balance. And, you know, this is not me sitting here saying that Balogun is, is a world beater and, you know, he should play every single week. Um, but, you know, I look at Balogun and I look at Eddie Nketiah and do I see that much difference? No. And Eddie Nketiah has got far more experience at first team level. Um, then Fallon Balogun, you know, Eddie Nketiah does really well for England on the 21 stage, etc. And I'm not saying Eddie Nketiah is a, a bad player. I just, I, I see some of the hype that follows him around and I, I, I can't quite get on board with it. And so, you know, uh, if he's if if someone wants to get a position that kind of stopped Eddie and playing as regularly as he does for Arsenal, I guess the point I'm going around the houses to get to is that I wouldn't be that disappointed if somebody else was given an opportunity uh, to provide support to that front line because I don't think Eddie and does it well enough most of the time. I don't think Alexander Lacazette. Uh, produces well enough in that role most of the time either. So why not uh, give Balogun more opportunities? Again, stressing the point, I'm not saying he should be playing every week. Jesus, don't take it that way. Um, but you know, we're not exactly blessed with world class centre forwards. You know, we've got one world class forward. He plays on the left most of the time. When he plays through the middle, doesn't often get the service. So yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not against that. I'm not against the. Sort of giving the likes of, of Faller and Balagan more opportunities. Emil Smith Rowe came on, um, short appearance for Emil. I, I'm sure lots of us wanted to see him play a bit longer, but at the end of the day, um, he has had his injury problems. For me, it's just a good step to see him back in the picture because, as I've said on previous shows, I'm a massive fan of Emil Smith Rowe. I really rate the player, and I think that one day he could turn into a really, really special footballer again, just like I've been saying with the other guys, he needs the game time. And now that we're through, you feel as though Mikel Arteta has an opportunity now to give the likes of Smith Rowe, the likes of Balogun, um, opportunities to play games from the start now. Albeit just a couple of Europa League games. You know, we're playing um, Dundalk. We're playing against Rapid Vienna at home. Um, not particularly amazing sides. Obviously, sides that you know, on their own merit have qualified for Europe and can on their day spring surprises, can hurt you. But I just feel like, um, you know, now now that qualification is sealed, if not in the game next week against Rapid Vienna, then definitely in the game against Dundalk. I want to see some of those players given an opportunity. What's the point in taking them um, if they're not going to play? You know, so I, I would take them. David Lewis went off. Um, my understanding is that it's not, Anything serious? Hopefully, he'll be available for the weekend. He was replaced by Rob Holding. Kieran Tierney also came on in the game um, as well. Uh, Emil Smith, as I've re- already mentioned, and Balogun were the other two substitutes. So, yeah, those are my kind of main thoughts on some of the individual performances this evening. Um, you know, going through the rest of the team, Ronarson. I thought did okay. What he needed to deal with, he dealt with well. I like the look of Renarson with the ball at his feet. Um, Cedric Suarez, pretty solid. Skodran Mustafi, solid. Um, didn't do anything wrong, in my opinion. Nothing major anyway. Ainsley maitland did okay. Um, sort of trying to combine with Reece Nelson on that left-hand side. It's a strange situation, this one with Ainsley maitland because we know there was interest in him, and we know that Arsenal were desperate to hold on to him, yet... He doesn't seem to get a look in. And when he does get a look in, he's at left back in the Europa League away from home. I, I don't see Ainsley maitland niles as a left back. I see Ainsley maitland niles as someone who can play as a wing back, but as an out and out full back. I'm not sure that position necessarily suits him. Um, and I'm not saying he had a bad game tonight. He made a few errors in the first half, I noticed, but it, he just doesn't inspire me when I see him playing in that position obviously take into account the fact that he's not playing regularly at the moment as well that probably helps too uh, or sorry that probably doesn't help I should say um so yeah kind of just my sort of final final points I thought shaka was was okay um not not particularly good I feel like Shaka's lack of mobility stands out like a sore thumb when he's playing in a midfield too so that's something that Mikel will will have to think about but you know, if you were talking about a midfield two of, of Thomas Partey and Danny Sabayos, that could work. I'd be interested to see how this system uh, would fare with, with some of the other players available later on. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, pleased with the result. The first half was horrendous to watch. Um, those of you following me on Twitter would have seen that I was tweeting, this is boring, this is terrible. It was an awful watch, a torturous watch. Uh, but, of course... Um, Arsenal, once they opened the goal scoring, uh, sort of just shifted it up a gear, went in front um, and did brilliantly to, to kind of see the game out and put up to the sword. Right now is that time of the show where you get your questions in the live chat box. And I'll come to a few of those uh, before we leave you tonight. I appreciate it's late. So massive. Thank you to those of you currently joining us live and a big hello and thank you to those of you listening to this back on the audio don't forget subscribe like 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 if you haven't already make sure you like the video um and if you're listening via the audio platforms as well make sure you you're, you're subscribed there and of course leave us a review uh, your local MCE says, I'm not really feeling confident going into the Spurs game. They're in really good form and a not being in form right now. And Pepe is out, is worrying me. How do you feel about the upcoming game? Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie. Um, going into a North London derby in the last few years has been difficult because we know full well. Uh, of Arsenal's deficiencies. We know that this is a massive game. It's a massive game for the fans um, and it's one that we never want to lose, obviously. Yes, of course, um, form, you know, will leave you a little bit concerned, will leave you worried. But, you know, things can change, can't they, very quickly in football. Arsenal could go and beat Wolves at the weekend comfortably. Spurs could go get a job in at Chelsea and all of a sudden the tables have turned a little bit in terms of the momentum, the form so yeah, um I am not over, I'm not particularly in fact I'm not at all confident going into the game now, but as I said things could change, things change in football very very quickly. Um although Aubameyang's not been in the greatest form this season, we know that he is capable of of popping up and scoring important goals at important times, so I would never rule him out. Uh let's see what else you guys have had to say. Uh, Lathan says, Is Eddie overrated? I think probably a little bit, yeah. Um, it, it's that classic thing, isn't it? He's a youngster, he's English, he plays for the England under 21s. He's going to be the next Ian Wright, etc. etc. There's nothing to suggest from Eddie and Ketia uh, that he's going to be the next Ian Wright, based on what I've seen. I know Ian Wright developed late as a footballer, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I just don't see it with Eddie. Um, I really don't. I think he's a decent enough striker, uh, a decent enough poacher. He's in often in the right positions in the penalty area when goalkeepers spill things, when deflections occur, when ricochets happen. He's got that sense. He's got that alertness. But does he give you much else? I don't really think so. Um, So yeah, for me, you know, the kind of jury's still out on Eddie. But I think in general, when you take into account what what I believe to be the general opinion. I do think there is, yeah, he is overrated a little bit. I do. Uh, Simon says, all right, mate, don't you think we should be giving Balogun and Nelson more time? I think, look, in particular, in the case of Balogun, give him the Europa League games, mate, give him the the next two Europa League games. Let's see how he gets on. Let's have a proper look at the lad. Um, and when it comes to Reese Nelson, I actually think that Reese Nelson is in with a shot of playing in the Premier League. Um, Saka will be fit and available for the game on Sunday, but Willian is still to be assessed, and there's no reason for me why Rhys Nelson can't do the job that Willian's been doing. Willian has been contributing next to zero um, since the opening day of the season. He had a decent game at Man United at Old Trafford, I thought, but other than that, he's been very lackluster, very uninspiring. And so, for me, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not against the idea of Rhys Nelson being included in the squad and even being included um, from the beginning, if, if Mikel Arteta thinks that's right. Because, as I said, our current options up front are not delivering. So why not give someone an opportunity, someone who's just impressed, um, you know, on the European stage? Now, I know it doesn't always work like that. You know, we take into account the performances of Joe Willock in the Europa League and then compare that to the performance he put in against Leeds the other day. And you think, They were a million miles apart, and obviously that's largely down to the fact that the level of opponent is very different. So there's no guarantees that that transition between playing Europa League football against weaker sides and then moving into the Premier League uh, game at the weekend is is one that's always going to be successful, one that's always going to be fruitful. But having said that, um, when your current first teamers are not performing, I don't see why there's anything wrong with giving uh somebody uh, like Reese Nelson uh, another opportunity Balogun for me not quite ready for the Premier League but certainly ready to play in the Europa League uh let's see what else you guys are saying Graham Sutherland hey there mate welcome he says I don't think Pepe is up to it but let's see him feature in the lineup for a while he was pants in the first half but re- redeemed himself in the second yeah it goes back to what I was saying about Pepe being like a frustrating type of player the runs were brilliant. The, the, the being able to go past people um, looked as easy as anything. But it, it's that final product, isn't it? That's what's frustrating about Nicolas Pepe. And fingers crossed, um, you know, we we see Nicolas Pepe sort of plays way back into form, plays way into confidence. And I know it's just Nicolas Pepe's way. But when he scored the goal tonight, you know, if that was me, I'd just been sent off at the weekend and... Kind of the knives were out for me. My manager was upset with me. You know, it, it's not really Nicolas Pepe's nature, I know, but I would have celebrated that goal with a bit more, like, a little bit more gusto. Like, you know, yeah, that's what I can do kind of thing. Like, And it was a very kind of, like, withdrawn celebration, I thought, from Nicolas Pepe. And I thought that was interesting. Martin McDermott says, just watched Minimum Highlights. i seen a few. Uh, given goes from various angles. Was that a theme through the game? I think they tried to make it a theme. Um, I think that was the idea of, of Alexander Lacazette dropping into that slightly deeper role so that those give and goes could happen, so that he could uh, play the ball into people's feet, so that he could then join in in the penalty area when Arsenal did manage to work the ball in wide areas, et cetera, et cetera. Um I, I still didn't think the performance was great, and I'm still not really sure if that New Lacazette role even worked. I'd probably argue that it didn't. Um, but yeah, there were a few give and goes and there were a few situations where you thought that the zip had come back into our game, uh, at least temporarily. I guess the best thing about sort of tonight as well, aside from obviously what the obvious of winning 3-0 and, and, and securing qualification through to the next round of the Europa League, was the fact that nobody came off with any, or that we know at the moment, with any significant injury because that pitch i I just i can't i can't get behind the idea of 4g pitches i know they're a lot better than they used to be but it just it it doesn't sit right with me it just doesn't sit right with me uh let's see what else you guys are saying in the live chat um just scrolling through bear with me uh if you haven't already don't forget hit the like button subscribe to the channel if you're new in fact Let's have a look how many likes we've got at the moment. And um, I'm going to ask you guys to take those up between now and the end of the stream. Let's have a look what we got here. Uh, There's over 100 of you watching incredible at this hour. Thank you so much. But we've only got 27 likes. Come on, guys. Let's get it up to 50 likes at least. You know, it only takes half of you to smash that like button. It doesn't cost anything. It's absolutely free. Give the stream a like. Thank you so much in advance. Uh Lewis on my point about Pepe says Pepe doesn't ever really show emotion to be fair even when he got sent off he didn't look bothered yeah I-, I did make that point that I know it's probably just his way um and I shouldn't really read into it or make a big deal out of it make a big issue out of it um but yeah I I, I don't know maybe it's just me I would be um a little bit different probably um Sassid says it's hard to balance the positivity of the Europa League games and the reality of our Premier League games so far. Yeah, it's always important to, to contextualise these things, though, isn't it? I mean, we're playing in the Europa League against teams who aren't very good. Um, it's often the case and it's been the case since we we started playing in the Europa League that actually we've been able to get to a various point in the competition. Um you know, without even sort of stretching ourselves without necessarily picking the first team all the time. So I'm not surprised to see Arsenal kind of cruising through the group. Um, and so that's why with, with these Europa League games for me it is important to uh, have a good look at certain players, have a good look at systems, experiment with things, because ultimately you know what the result's going to be. You know that Arsenal have what it takes to get through. You know that Arsenal have far more resource, a far bigger squad and a far better squad than most of the teams in this competition, uh, particularly the ones that are in it at this stage. So, yeah, um, it is a hard balance to find uh, between balancing that positivity and, and the reality of our Premier League game so far, but just enjoy it. Um, Look at the individual displays, take what you will, learn about certain players and and just enjoy it. Simple as that. Uh, Albert says, uh, yes, Harry, the first half was terrible to watch. Second half was a little bit better. Pepe did well tonight, but the acid test for him is to get Arteta's trust back in him and get a run of games in the Premier League. Absolutely spot on. Couldn't have summed it up better myself. Uh, head over to Albert JTV, guys, as well. Uh, give him a subscribe. Fantastic channel. top lad as well. Uh, so check out Albert's uh, show over there. I think he's absolutely right. Second half was a little bit better. Pepe did brilliantly uh, tonight, but he's absolutely right. Now it's about nailing down, um, you know, a place in Mikel Arteta starting eleven. And I know the I know the price tag isn't Nicolas Pepe's fault. But when you pay seventy two million pounds for someone, you expect him to be a first team player. And and Nicolas Pepe owes it to the club because of the money that they laid out for him to you know, how do you how do you decide whether he's fulfilled his price tag? I mean, what metrics are there? There aren't. But, you know, he, he should be fighting for a place in the first team. He should be a first team regular, in my opinion. He should be one of the first names on the team sheet. The talent is there, is the application there. Well, we're going to see, aren't we, over the next um, sort of few months. Uh, what else have we got here? Earfan says, uh, why did it take a red card and public humiliation to see this Pepe? Um I don't know, like I, I, you know, I think that the way Pepe played tonight, we've actually seen a fair bit of that in the Europa League. We've seen Nicolas Pepe on countless occasions be, um, I, I want to say creative for himself, because he always seems to create the angle and the space to cut in on that left foot and, and to have a shot. I, I, I think that the red card just kind of increased the spotlight on someone who naturally has a spotlight following him around because of his price tag. But, you know, it kind of just made people wake up to the fact and be like, you know, hold on a minute, like reassessing the situation, reassessing that we paid 72 million pounds for this guy. Um, And I think Pepe, you know, Mikel Arteta keeps talking about him responding. Well, I don't expect Mikel Arteta to say anything different, to be honest. Um, So yeah, look, I think there's lots to come from Nicolas Pepe. I've said it before, uh, but can Mikel Arteta be the guy that gets that out of him? Can he find a way of helping Nicolas Pepe to channel that talent uh, into good things, into positive things? Only time will tell. Ahmed Ibrahim asks, Harry, do you think Zoboslai would choose Arsenal ahead of Leipzig? Look, at the end of the day, If Arsenal want him, they know exactly what they're going to pay. It's the same thing I was saying about Thomas Partey throughout the transfer window. If Arsenal want the guy, they know exactly what the release clause is. Go and do the business. Um, I don't see how, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I can't see how someone would want to choose RB Leipzig over Um, Arsenal. Arsenal are a historic, huge football club. RB Leipzig are a relatively successful one of late, but they're a plastic football club that came out of nowhere just a few years ago. So for me, um, if he loves his European football history, if he is a romantic, if he wants to play in the best league in the world, then uh, it's a no-brainer. Come to Arsenal, uh, Dominic Soberslai. Uh, Shivdeep Rao says, do you expect to see Lacazette playing in that deeper role behind Oba against Wolves? I honestly don't. Um, I think that we're going to see Mikel Arteta revert back to that free for free kind of system that served him uh, pretty well defensively in recent times. I can't see him taking such a risk in a game against Wolverhampton Wanderers, a side that we know um, have the ability to and have the players to hurt us if we're not fully at the races. So I, I if I was guessing, I don't think we're going to see that. Um, I think you're probably going to see Lacazette play as a centre-forward, though. Um, <laughs> read of that what you will. Um, I do think Lacazette will play, probably. Um, but, you know, maybe he won't. You know, he played today. Um, he did come off, and maybe... That was with a view to Sunday. I don't know. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to take one more question. I'll take two more. Martin McDermott says, Arteta said after the game, he's delighted with the young guns. How do you think they are developing compared to young talent in other teams? I think some of them are doing all right. Um, I think that Reece Nelson is starting to show signs. Um, that he could perhaps give something. Joe Willock shows signs at times. Eddie Nketiah, I don't think he's going to make it at Arsenal. I I just can't see it. Eddie Nketiah is not an Arsenal centre-forward for me. Call me negative, call me controversial. I just don't see it in Eddie Nketiah. So um, I think some of the young talents, I think the only young talent I'm absolutely 100% certain about, or two that I'm 100% certain about, are Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayo Saka. Um, when it comes to Willick and Nelson, I like them. I like what I see of them in certain games, but I wonder if they'd be able to deliver that level in the Premier League regularly. I feel like in, in the Europa League, that's kind of their level at the moment and that's why they're shining in it. Um, so yeah, when you compare them to other young talents, I mean, I don't really have a good knowledge of sort of other clubs' young talents, but if you're talking about... Some of the young players that Chelsea have coming through, for example, I don't think we're on that, the, that most of our guys are on that level. As I said, I'm certain um, that Gabriel Martinelli has the talent and I'm absolutely certain uh, that Bukayo Saka has the talent. As for the others, the jury is still out for me. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Just going to pick up one more question. You can probably tell by my eyes, I am absolutely shattered. Um looking forward to to getting, uh, getting some sleep, getting some shut-eye before another busy day tomorrow. Floyd Harris says, Harry, how far along is Martinelli? I hope he can get up to speed quite quickly. Um, we know he's back in training, Gabriel Martinelli. We know he's starting to integrate into group sessions, etc., etc. But I'd advise caution on this. This is a type of injury that takes a while to recover from. Even when medically you're fit, um, are you mentally fit? Um, is another question that you have to ask. You know, often when a player suffers an injury like this, they worry about the future of their career. Um, and it what it does is it has a mental impact. I've had the injury um, and I played football to a fairly decent standard. And that's why I feel like I can kind of say, say this and relate to this. You then think twice about going into certain challenges. You think twice about doing things that came naturally in your game. Um, it does change your mindset, an injury like this. And, it's a slow recovery. It takes time before you get up back to, to match fitness. It takes time till you get that extra yard of pace that maybe you had before and lost. So yeah, it's a really difficult injury for for Gabby Martinelli to recover from. And what I don't want is I don't want this, this mega pressure on him when he comes back that he's got to be this messiah that he's got to deliver for Arsenal. He's an 18-year-old kid. Um, and yes, we saw really positive signs from him. We saw some real... Good glimpses of what he can do, but let's not get carried away with Gabriel Martinelli. I said that I think he's got the talent. I absolutely stick by that, but he is a kid. He's still very young. Um, let's not too, put too much weight on his shoulders and not expect him to be at his best, at least for another few months, I would say. Um the rest of this season for me with Gabriel Martinelli is about him getting some minutes under his belt uh, in whatever competition that may be playing some cameo appearances and just protecting his fitness, making sure that he recovers from the injury and making sure that uh, he stands the best chance possible of becoming the player uh, that we all think he can become. So yeah, um, as I said, he's on the way he's getting there, but it's going to take time before, Even if he's medically fit, he'll be anywhere near his best. Right. That brings me to the end of this edition of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe like the video. Have we got to the magic 50 likes, Mark? Let me check uh, before I uh, love you and leave you. Uh, Certainly enough of you watching. Uh, No, we're on 43. Come on, let's get another seven likes uh, between now and the outro rolling. Uh, Big thank you to every single one of you for tuning in. Subscribe, like, share, comment. Uh, Leave me your thoughts in the live chat on tonight's uh, performance and tonight's podcast, of course, as well. And we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be looking ahead to the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers at the Emirates Stadium in the Premier League this coming Sunday. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Cheers. Listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Mark Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.